I'm excited about uh, continuing on uh, this little mini-series, if you will, uh, in the book of Jonah. Now, you know that in the last message, we established that uh, we all, from time to time, have fantasies of running away from it all. Amen? We all have fantasies from time to time of just escaping our obligations and the responsibilities in life. Uh, well, the prophet Jonah feels you. Amen. The prophet Jonah began to tell us his almost unbelievable story of when he tried to run away from doing what God told him to do. After Jonah boarded a ship, he was heading in the opposite direction from where God told him to go. And his shipmates learned that he was the cause of this violent storm that had erupted and almost sunk the ship. And so they tossed him overboard. However, instead of allowing Jonah to drown, God arranged for this great fish to swallow up Jonah and puke him out on a beach somewhere. Now, I know that's a little bit hard to believe. But many events in the Bible are hard to believe. How many of you have heard a donkey talk? It's in the Bible. How many of you have heard about 20,000 people plus being fed with five loaves of bread and two fish? It's in the Bible. How many of you heard about the blind seeing, the lame walking, and the deaf hearing, all because someone special said so. It's in the Bible. But perhaps the single most spectacular event in the Bible is when a man declaring to be the Savior of the world is killed, placed in a tomb, only to rise out of that grave three days later. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus used Jonah's story to illustrate his own three-day stay in the tomb. Now, there's one big difference between Jonah and Jesus. Jonah wound up in a fish because of his disobedience to God. Jesus wound up in a tomb because of his obedience to the Father. Because our Lord Jesus believed the account of Jonah, so do we. But, if we're honest, there's a little bit of Jonah, maybe a whole lot of Jonah, in every one of us. We don't always get the doing of God's will right the first go-round. Sometimes we need a second chance. You see, Jonah's story is not only about the discipline of God. Jonah's story perhaps is more about how God in His grace how God in His mercy gives you and I second chances. 
Think about this. Had God wanted to judge Jonah, he could have just let him drown. But the great fish was not about judgment. It was not about discipline. This great fish was about salvation. Just like the tomb of Jesus Christ is about salvation. See, God didn't want to curse Jonah. After all, he was his man. No, he wanted to bless Jonah. He wanted to bless Jonah by inviting Jonah to participate, to join in the work that God was doing in the most evil, despicable people in the world at that time. Those people of Nineveh. Can I tell you that God also wants to bless you? God wants to make you a blessing to this world you live in and to other people in your circle of influence. But there's one huge obstacle that's keeping God from doing that in your life. And that is a negative spirit about the work of God. Just like Jonah... God can't bless us until our spirit changes from negative about God's work to positive about God's work. When I speak of the negative spirit, I'm not talking about possession. I'm not talking about evil or wickedness. I'm talking about a virus that every one of us carries. It's a virus of negativity. You see, it's a human tendency for people to think the worst. That's why news does so well on television. It's a human tendency for people to constantly be discouraged. It's a human tendency to think things ain't never going to turn out right for me. It's the inclination to believe that others won't love us. That we're constantly filled with worry. It's an inclination to believe that we should be harboring bitter feelings toward other people. And that for some reason we just have to continue talking with this pessimistic tone. Can I just say, that should not be the case for Christians. It should not be the case with us as believers. This virus of negativity, it causes us to believe that we'll never overcome our past. This virus of negativity causes us to believe that we'll never overcome these bad things that have been done to us or even the bad things that we've done. So I guess we better just give up. Can't do it. Because the good news is this. While we're all carriers, this virus does not, to ha does not have to be a mainstay in our life. This virus can be treated. You don't have to let negativity control your life. Jonah sorely 
needed to develop a positive spirit. Jonah was self-centered. Jonah was more concerned about his own comfort than he was about lost people avoiding judgment and coming to know God. Do you know anybody like that? I'm with you, Tim. I looked at him in the mirror this morning. I'm so self-absorbed sometimes. So worried about my own comfort that I'm not worried about that lost sinner avoiding the judgment of sin and coming to know God. Friend, that is a classic sign of the negativity I'm talking about. Thankfully, God gives second chances. He gives second chances, friends, and he wants us to avoid the negativity that may be hindering God's work in your life. He wants to use you. He wants to use you for his glory. He wants to use you, little old you, to build up the kingdom of heaven. And if you can overcome this virus of negativity, God has a very positive message for us today. It's a positive message that we can develop a positive spirit when it comes to the work of God. And Jonah's story is classic because it gives three essentials that you and I need in order to develop this positive spirit that I'm talking about. The first of which is this. We need to develop a positive spirit, first of all, toward God. We need to learn to be obedient to God. Now, I want to share with you, again, from the New Living Translation. Uh, it's on page 817 in the Bibles in front of you if you want to follow along. But I'm going to be in Jonah chapter 3. And I'm just going to take it a little nugget at the time, if you will. And I'm going to read the first two verses here in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah, get this. A second time. Well, that's good news. The Lord spoke to Jonah a second time and he said, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message that I have given to you. Did you notice that phrase, a second time? A second time, that's the underlying theme to the whole book. God comes to us a second time, and I, for one, am glad that he does. To develop a positive spirit, the first thing that I need to do is recognize that obedience to God is a good thing. I can avoid a whole lot of heartache if I'll just obey God. If I'll just follow his direction, I can avoid a lot of the ditches and traps that the enemy might have in my life. God said, get up and go. Get up and go and deliver the message that I've given to you. Do as I have instructed you. Now friends, I want to tell you the greatest thing you can do in your life is to follow God's direction. Again, you're going to avoid a whole lot of pain 
a whole lot of suffering and a whole lot of struggling if you will just follow God's direction. I know you're thinking, oh, he's talking to the guy next to me. I'm talking to every one of us here today. Every single one of us here today is born with a sinful nature that goes against God. We all have it. And if you let that sinful nature control your thinking, you got trouble coming. Romans chapter 8, Paul wrote to believers just like us. He wrote to the Roman believers and he said, When people's thinking is controlled by the sinful self, they are against God. I can't imagine a church of believers being against God. But whenever we let our sinful self prevail in our life, we are going against God. And he goes on to say, and the reason they do that is because they refuse to obey God's law and they always will. Again, friends, every one of us has a sinful self. You need to be aware of that. The sinful self does many things. The sinful self takes God for granted. You ever been guilty of that one? Taking God for granted? Are you kidding me right now? That's what the sinful self does. Sinful self also doubts the power of God. Kidding me that God is not all powerful? The sinful self also wants to see just how far she can go before breaking God's law. Just to the edge of the cliff. See if I'm going to fall off if I get too close. The good news is, friend, your sinful self does not have to control your thinking. Paul went on to say in Romans chapter 8, if one's thinking is controlled by the sinful self, there is death. That's bad news. However, if your thinking is controlled by the Spirit, there's life and peace. So we choose to be controlled by the Spirit, not by our sinful selves. So the question begs to be asked, what does that mean? Well, if God is controlling my thinking... That means I got a chance for a positive spirit. The first time that God called him to go, Jonah's sin, sinful self was controlling his thinking. The second time that God told Jonah to go, yeah, he went, but you're going to learn today that his thought processes still needed some tweaking. God was still doing a mighty work in his life. How many of you know that you're still under construction? Right? We haven't reached perfection yet. We're not, we have not arrived at our destination. We are in a journey of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. That's our goal, okay? Uh, we're not perfect. God is constantly working in us. He is constantly working in our thinking. He's working in our attitudes. He's working in our spirit. God is constantly working to develop in us a positive spirit that has a great attitude about the work of God. So how? How can we get the spirit of God to control our thinking? I don't want my sinful self with all of its negativity to control my thinking. I want the spirit of God to do it. So how 
do we do that? Well, I'm going to share with you what Paul wrote to another group of believers in the city of Galatia. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul gives them a pretty clear-cut understanding of how you do that, how you allow the Spirit of God to reign in your life. Here's what he says in chapter 5, verse 16. He says, So I say to you, believers in Galatia, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. We can almost stop there and say amen and go home. Because if each one of us would let the Holy Spirit guide our lives, everything would be just fine. Okay? But he says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants to do. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature wants to do. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But listen carefully. When you are directed by the Spirit, we're already guiding, being guided by the Spirit. When we are directed by the Spirit, you're no longer under obligation to the law of Moses because you're doing it on autopilot. Verse 19 says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Now I want you to listen to these. Because some of these you're going to say, I ain't never done none of that. Some of the other ones you're going to say, uh-oh. All the desires of your sinful self, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Lustful pleasures. Idolatry. What is idolatry? Putting anything before God. Sorcery, hostility. I've been hostile with some people on occasion at the dollar store, amen. Quarreling. Jealousies. Outbursts of wrath. Selfish ambition. Now, those other things may not fit you, but there are times when selfish ambition is a problem for you. Dissension. Division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you like I did before. That anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the buts. Amen. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Friend, there is no law against those things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful selves to the cross and crucified them there. They're dead. Since we are living by the Spirit, since we're being guided by, by the Spirit, since we're being directed by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Because that, in a nutshell, is how we can allow God to control our thinking instead of our sinful selves to control our thinking. So what's your point, Bill? Friend, we got to rid self of a negative spirit. 
One that's not focused on the work and the will of God. And we've got to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. We've got to be directed and guided by the Holy Spirit of God. He's the one that must rule in our life. Not you. Not your ego. Not your self-will. Not your wisdom. Not your skills. Not your emotion. Not your material possessions. Not your own selfishness. Not your puny successes. The Holy Spirit of God must rule in every area. He must be in charge of your life. He must be in charge of every aspect of your life. If you're going to develop this positive spirit toward the work of God in your life. Friend, you must decide. I wish I could decide for you. Because we'd have a whole bunch of on fire Christians in this church. So you must decide, friend, if you will live in the kingdom of God or if you're going to live in the kingdom of self. You must decide, am I going to conform to my will or to the will of God? Will I do what the word of God and the spirit of God say, even though it might be downright tough sometimes? Or am I going to do what I want to do? sinful self. Listen, friend, you need and God wants you to have a positive spirit when it comes to you being used by the hand of God in the world that you live in. And the first essential to developing that positive spirit is obeying God. Here's the second one. These last two will go quickly. The second essential to developing this positive spirit that I'm talking about is to develop a positive spirit toward others by being humble. Going back to Jonah chapter 3, in verse 3, the Bible says, this time Jonah obeyed. That's good news for Jonah. Maybe that's good news for you too. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's commandment. He went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day that Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now and Nineveh will be destroyed. And the people of Nineveh, the evil, wicked, nasty, defiled people of Nineveh believed God's message. From the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and they put burlap on their backs to show their sorrow. See, Jonah was obeying God, but there were still some things that needed to be done in his life. Probably not much different from you and I. Many of us are born-again believers. We're faithful in many ways, but there's still a lot of things that God is doing in our lives. We know this because Notice in the last chapter, in chapter 4 uh, of Jonah's story, when we look at that, we see Jonah's reaction when God showed the city of Nineveh mercy. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry, and he complained to the Lord about it. And he said, just kill me now. Just kill me now. If what I have said will not come true, just kill me now. See, we need to develop a positive spirit toward others by being humble before others. 
Now, before you judge Jonah too harshly, have you ever said bitter, hurtful things that you later regretted? I think we've probably all been guilty of that at some point or another. We've all been guilty of, of wrong thinking or wrong talking. Somebody say amen. Well, Jonah thought that he would appear foolish if what he predicted didn't come true. Not to mention that self-inbred prejudice that he had toward these evil people of Nineveh. But there was an underlying problem. And that underlying problem that Jonah had was is that Jonah cared more for his own standing than he did for the salvation of lost people. And when we look in the mirror, from time to time we ought to ask ourselves that question. And you say, hey buddy, you care about more about you or the lost people that you know? answer might surprise you. I think many times we'd rather be right than be obedient to God. I think many times we'd rather be right than have a peaceful fellowship with other people, even though they may be sinners. Marriages sometimes fail because of this thing, this pride. No one wants to say, I'm sorry. No one wants to say, I'm wrong, please forgive me. We're afraid of appearing weak, but I got news for you, friend. We are all weak. If it weren't for the breath of God on us, we'd all be six foot under. Marriages often fail because of this kind of pride. But you know what? Church families often fail because of this kind of pride. Even, friend, even if you disagree with a brother or sister in Christ, you should never allow that negative spirit to persist toward that brother or sister. Just because you think differently doesn't give you the, the uh, allowance. It doesn't give you the right to harbor a bitter feeling toward any of your brothers or sisters. See, each one of us must look into our own hearts each one of us must look into our own lives and keep in check our own motives, keep in check our own pride, keep in check our own lust, our own envy, our own greed. I think that'll be enough to keep us busy till Jesus comes back, amen? How many of you know that Jesus didn't bring us together in the body of Christ to criticize one another? Jesus didn't bring us together in the body of Christ to gossip about each other. Jesus brings together in the body of Christ to help each other in the spirit of humility. If you're not building up, you know what you're doing? You're tearing down. Don't come in the spirit of, I'm going to set them straight. Don't come in the spirit saying, you know, I'm right, they're wrong, and I'll prove it. Come in a spirit that wants to help the other in the spirit of humility. Free yourself from that negative spirit that really inhibits the work of God in our midst.
develop that positive spirit by obeying God. Develop that positive spirit by being humble before others. It's your last one today and we'll go. That is to develop a positive spirit toward yourself. That requires being honest. Specifically, being honest about your own sin. Finishing up in verse 6 of chapter 3. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, he took off his royal robes, he dressed himself in burlap, sat in a heap of ashes, and then the king and the nobles sent this decree throughout the city. He said, not one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. You're all on a fast to focus on God. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways. They must stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps, even yet, God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. And verse 10 says that when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, God changed his mind and he did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. Jonah happy about that? Was he overjoyed that the people of Nineveh were turning away from their sins? No, we already read in verse in chapter 4 that the change of plans upset Jonah. He became very angry and began to complain. But notice that the king of Nineveh, the king of this wicked land, these wicked people, actually had more of a positive spirit than God's prophet Jonah. King viewed God as merciful and forgiving. He looked upon himself the right way, like we should. When he heard God's message, he admitted Jonah was right. We have been evil, and we need to turn from our wicked ways. He owned up to his sin. He owned up to the sins of the people in his kingdom. He didn't say, well, compared to that king, I'm okay. He didn't say, oh, Jonah, I think you got this whole sin thing wrong in your head. I'm not that bad. He didn't try to excuse his sin or ignore his responsibility. No, the king of Nineveh did what you and I need to do. Develop a positive spirit. The king got honest about his sin. The Word of God gives you and I some biblical direction for the church and for the people of God. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8, the Bible says, If we say that we have no sin, we delude ourselves and we lead ourselves astray and the truth is not even in us. Verse 9 goes on to say, however, if we freely admit 
that we have sinned and we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and promises that he will forgive us our sins and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is that unrighteousness? It's anything. It doesn't conform to the will of God. It doesn't conform to the purpose of God. It doesn't conform to the thoughts of God. If you've got any of that in your life, you need to do what John is recommending for you. To confess that sin and be cleansed from all of that unrighteousness. And then in verse 10, the Bible says that if we say, claiming that we have not sinned, we contradict the word of God. And we make God out to be a liar. And his word is not even in us. Give us a second chance. He wants us to have the right spirit, the right mindset when it comes to the work of God. He wants us to avoid the negativity that may be hindering God's work through you. He wants to bless you. And God wants to make you a blessing in your circle of influence. So we need to take advantage or second chances, amen? Do you need a checkup from the neck up? We all do. To get that kind of checkup, you need to be honest with yourself about your sin. You need to be humble toward others. And you certainly need to be obedient to God. And what's really ironic there is, is those three steps to having a positive spirit towards God's work are actually the way that somebody comes to faith in Christ only flip-flopped. Let me run it by you real quick. Before someone can come to Christ, and our children have learned this very well, they got to get honest about their own sin condition. they got to be humble enough to trust Jesus Christ and Him alone in His death, burial, and resurrection and know that that's the only remedy for sin. And third, you got to be obedient. you got to come to God and receive the gift. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a promise of scripture. That's a promise based on the authority of God's word. So maybe you need a checkup from the neck up. Maybe you're a believer, have been for a long time. But if you're honest with yourself, your spirit's been lacking when it comes to the work of God in your life. Maybe you're surrounded by lost people that have not heard the good news from your lips. Maybe it's because you haven't been obedient to God. Maybe it's because you've got a high and haughty spirit and nobody even wants to be around you. Maybe you haven't been honest with yourself about your own sin. Today is a day where you can make those changes in your life. And I pray as the Lord directs, you'll do that today.
Let me pray for you. Father God, you are a miraculous God, and we praise you and thank you for this opportunity, Father, to worship you. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your presence here with us. And Father, as we have come uh, to worship and honor you, uh, Lord, we cannot uh, allow a worship service to be complete until we allow the changes that you've declared to become permanent in our lives. Father, if there's one that needs to come to Christ today, Lord, help them to get honest about their sin condition, to understand what sin's remedy is, the death, burial, and resurrection of your only begotten. Lord, help us to be obedient to you. Just come and receive the gift, confessing that Jesus is Lord and believing in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. Father, whatever your will is in every person's life today, I pray that you would direct them to make the decisions that they must make. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said. Amen. Amen.